1: Hey, what's up, Bar listeners? Before we get into this episode, want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by AGTV. That's right. The people that made the American Gospel Documentary has come up with a streaming service app that's pretty much like Netflix for solid biblical content. Go to watch AGTV. Use the code BAR the number 1 to get 10% off the monthly rate. AGTV is so awesome. They also have our very own Just Thinking podcast on there. So, you want to make sure you go to watch AGTV. .com use the code BAR the number 1 for 10% off yo what? Welcome to the bar, come on and pull up a seat, and open up your Bible, what a wonderful feast, the living bread, and we're discussing what it means for the streets, the inner cities, and the burbs, and every person we meet, This where we challenge world views, that we hear from world news, in light of the scripture, we are here to serve you, we are your source for resources, to help you on your way, as you battle mean forces, this is for the people who can see the importance, of sound theology, and the scripture that support it, and this is for the truth lovers, biblically reforming, preaching Christ to the nations, yeah, welcome to the modern reformation, yeah, the far, mm-hmm. biblical, welcome everybody to the bars your boy Dwayne in the building right back in here another Tuesday super excited as always to be coming through your speakers through your earbuds wherever you listen to the show we are grateful I love to start every show off by thanking the listeners thank you guys for listening to the bar podcast letting people know about us buying the gear shouting us out screenshotting your player all of that stuff is just awesome and we're just grateful uh, that you would do that. You would take time to listen to us every week. And like I also do every week is I take time to bring you what I consider to be uh, an awesome guest. This guest is right in a line with all the awesome guests that we've had in here before. And uh we have on none other than uh, my newfound brother, Brother Jim. How are you today, sir? Good. Very good. Thanks, Dwayne. Good deal, man. So, Jim, for those that don't know who you are, I'm going to give you the floor to uh, kind of introduce yourself. Uh, whatever you want to share, whether it's personal, professional, I'm going to give you the floor to do that right here. All right. Well, my name is Jim Osman. I pastor
0: a small church in Sandpoint, Idaho. Uh, it's actually called Kootenay Community Church. We're right outside of Sandpoint, Idaho. We're about an hour south of the U.S.-Canadian border. And I've lived here my entire life. And uh, I pastor a small um, community church here called kootenai community church uh you originally contacted me because you're friends with justin peters and, and justin is a good friend of mine and and was here in our church a member of our church he just recently moved over into montana but uh he has been part of our church for the last six or seven maybe eight years now i guess and so that's how you and i got contacted and that's what i do and where
1: i'm at awesome awesome well, so um this show I have a lot of local pastors that listen. Um tell me a little bit about the start of the church. Uh was it a uh did you get come in or was it a plant? Uh tell me a little bit about the the church history and, and how you got there.
0: Yeah, the church that I I pastor was not started by me. Um it's actually we, we the church in its current iteration started in the 1980s in in an old church building that was built back in 1915 by the Congregational Brethren Church um, from back on the East Coast. They had uh, funded the building of this church, and so it was um, a small church in a logging community out here back in the early 1900s. In the 1960s, I think it was uh, early 1970s, the charismatic movement in the Sandpoint area got its birth in our church and our church building, and the church split as a result of the charismatics coming in and and uh being in, in kind of starting their charismatic doctrine in our area at least in our church building and i have a pastor friend of mine who who once told me that he was he was a young man when the charismatic movement came to sandpoint and he says he remembers sitting in our church building and half of the people on one side of the church were calling the other half of the church demon possessed and mm. that side of the church was calling the other side of the church demon possessed <laughs> and so that was uh, that ended up blowing up our church and my great grandmother actually played the Organ in that in this church and that church back then in the 1960s and 70s and she was on the non-charismatic side she ended up getting run out of the church on a rail and the church split and eventually the uh the people who were there who were the charismatics they abandoned the church building and went into town to build another church because they had grown charismatic doctrine typically does that it attracts certain type of people and, and they had grown to the point where they needed a new church building so the church building sat vacant for years until um the city council actually contacted a man named Dave Kinney and asked him if he would come and start a Sunday school in the church building because the city council said they wanted a church inside the city of Kootenai, which is, Mm -hmm. and you can't even, we can't even imagine that happening in today's world. That'd be a violation of (laughs) separation of church and state or something. So uh, he did that. He started a Sunday school and that became a church and it grew and he pastored for a little over a decade and his son took over for uh, a few years. And and I happened to be here as a teenager and in Sunday school and eventually uh, graduated from high school and went to Bible college about the time all of that was going on, not the charismatic stuff, but Dave and his son pastoring. and And then in 1996, his son stepped down because he didn't want to do it full time. And they asked me if I would take over. And we were a small church of about 25, 30 people, something like that. And so I started in September of 1996 at the age of 24. Uh, fresh out of Bible college, as it were. And I've been pastoring here, the same church, uh, ever since. And in fact, it was the church that was instrumental
1: in my salvation and me coming to know the Lord. Wow. That is awesome. That's, that's a peculiar story. Uh, uh, cause you talk about the charismatics coming in and splitting and, you know, those that know Justin, that's something that he talks about, uh, very vivid. Uh, was he kind of in town? I guess he, I mean, he wouldn't be that old, but, uh, is just, I don't know, is, is, Justin, was he around, I guess, whenever some of that was going on or? No, or no, that was
0: all back okay. in the 1960s before gotcha. Justin was even born and me as well. <laughs> gotcha. And so that, that didn't happen. Justin came here about eight years ago or, oh, or so. Um, he and I met in 2009 at, um, a wretched creation vacation. Uh, it was a, a joint event between the creation museum, Ken Ham's creation museum, and Wretched Radio, and mm-hmm. Justin and I showed up there at the same time. That's where we met, and then I asked him to come to a conference, and we became good friends, and eventually he moved here. Wow. So, the, cool. But that was, that was only about, uh, like I say, eight or nine years ago, I think. Oh, I was, see. I he see. came.
1: Don't tell Justin I try to date him too old. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. <No. laughs> some of the
0: pictures floating around to him are, it make him look deceptively young, though. I, I told him you gotta you gotta scrub the internet. Some of those younger pictures because that's not you, my friend.
1: <laughs> that's funny. That <laughs> he's is not funny. that old. I got you. I got you. So, um, talk a little bit about. I, I, I found you on YouTube for my listeners. Um I found a YouTube. With, uh, Pastor Jim and, uh, and Justin, um, kind of sitting down talking, kind of this kind of style, which, you know, attracted me as well. Uh, and, and, and what tell me a little bit about as far as, uh, what led you guys to do this, uh, on YouTube? Is this something that's ongoing? Um, uh, what, what is your plans with it? And I mean, I don't even remember the name of the show. I just remember watching it. Tell me a little bit about that and where that came from.
0: Yeah. That. Um, that's, that's kind of a long story behind that. It started when I wrote the book Truth or Territory and going back to the church and the church building, it was a small church building, could easily, could sit comfortably about 60 to 70 people. Um Several years into pastoral ministry, we kind of outgrew that old church building. We moved out of there into an elementary school cafeteria, which is right across the street from our old church building. And we um, started meeting in there while we bought some land and began to build a new church building. And we were doing it debt-free as we could pay for it. And we refused to take out a loan for it and just trusted God to provide. And it took us 16 years to build that church building, which we just moved into a year ago this June. And um, in those 16 years, we set up faithfully every week, uh, set up and tore down church in a cafeteria in an elementary school, uh, stored all of our stuff in a trailer. Well, about six years ago or so, Um, yeah, I think it's been about that long. I decided to write the book Truth or Territory, which is a biblical approach to spiritual warfare, and I did it as a fundraiser for our new church building. And all the proceeds to that book and all the books that I write go to the ministry of the church. And so that was intended to just kind of be uh, to to sell some Kindle. Originally published as a Kindle book, and now it's in print. And we're getting we're working on a Spanish translation. We're hoping to have out by the end of this year. And that book um, was intended to just be a fundraiser for that project. And it, it still is. Like I say, all the funds go to the church building. And it, after, we, after I wrote that book, Justin and I sat down and recorded 12 audio episodes about that book and the issues discussed in that book on spiritual warfare. And I can describe the book here in a moment. Um, those 12 audio interviews, then we, we recorded for a, an online television network, a series of 12 TV interviews. That we did and those have since been taken down and they're kind of old and dated. And, uh, and then Justin and I had that was about, know, I'm going to say that was probably five years ago or so. Um, and then this last year when, when Justin and I knew we were heading down to Shepherd's Conference, um, he suggested, or I suggested one of us, we should re-record those episodes on spiritual warfare and put them up on YouTube and make them free so that they're not behind a paywall and, mm-hmm. and uh, anybody can get them. So, we did that. We reached out to Grace to You, Phil Johnson at Grace to You, and they were gracious enough to lend us their television audio studios for a day. And uh, with the help of So4J TV, uh, Justin and I recorded eight episodes on spiritual warfare, uh, all in one day. And those have been published on YouTube with So4J TV. You can subscribe to their YouTube channel and get those eight episodes. And in that ep- in that in that series, we basically deal with the subjects discussed in the book called Truth or Territory, and that is addressing spiritual warfare nice and there's a lot of unbiblical practices that we deal with and we critique and then we kind of lay out what biblical true spiritual warfare is so that's how those episodes came to be and and that's where they're at and why they're up there and and for the future you know for the future I don't know if Justin and I are going to record more Um, we've kind of talked about maybe doing another series on apostasy and apostates Mm -hmm. because um, in the wake of of Joshua Harris and and then uh, Mm -hmm. Marty Sampson's apostasy I think we're looking at more of that in the years to come. Sure. As things become more and more difficult for Christians in our nation. And, uh, Justin and I have talked about, you know, let's, let's record a series on what is apostasy? Who are apostates? What are the dangers of it? What do we learn from it? How does Hebrews six play into that and the warning passages in Hebrews? And is it possible for a true Christian to lose their salvation? Mm. So we may record a series, another series in
1: the future, kind of talk about doing that maybe in March. Awesome. Do it, please. <laughs> no, it, it, it's really good, man. Um, the format, I love the format, like I said. And, um, and, and it's, it's, it's funny because sometimes when you, when you're dealing with, you know, sound biblical theology, uh, a lot of people leave out the spiritual side or, you know, the warfare side. Um, and so it was, it was definitely awesome to hear that. But because, you know, the opposite of that, when you're in the charismatic world, you know, it's, Uh, it's a heavy part of it, you know, and it's all out of context and, and it's, and it's, and it's, weird, real, you know, spooky and weird. And I love how you guys handled it. Um, so I guess let's talk about the book a little bit. Um, I didn't know it was that old. I I feel like, man, I'm just discovering everything, man. Like, you know, like, (laughs) wow, this, this is new as I was about 10 years old. Dang it. You know, like I'm just trying to, (laughs) like, I'm trying to catch up. But talk yeah. about the book a little bit and kind of your approach to it. Um, and then I'm going to bring up what we kind of talked about off air, uh, with one of the videos, but, but give us the premise of the book and, and, and where they can find it, uh, when you finish with that.
0: Yeah. So when I was, when I first went to Bible college, I, I, I didn't grow up in a, in a home that made church a priority. We didn't, we didn't go to church and wasn't really exposed to any kind of a, a religious, um, environment at all. Uh, so when I went to Bible college straight out of high school, I was basically a blank slate, theologically speaking. And I was exposed to a lot of bad theology, a lot of bad doctrine at Bible college. Cause since it wasn't a denominational college, not that denominational colleges are immune from this, but it was really an interdenominational college. So at Bible college, we had former Pentecostals and some current charismatics and, uh, you know, evangelical free and Mennonites and Baptists and mm-hmm. people from community churches. It was just a, a broad spectrum. And so, sitting around in the dorm and listening to Christians and the books that would float around and the discussions that would be had. I was exposed to a lot of theology and and being the blank slate that I was, I I really wasn't all that discerning. So I got caught up in a lot of the, a lot of the practices that are associated with the modern spiritual warfare movement. My fourth year of Bible college, or actually it was late in my third year at Bible college. um, I was exposed to a book called the Holy rebellion by Robert uh, ice and Thomas Dean, uh, or Thomas Ice, Thomas Ice and Robert Dean Jr. Um, those are the two guys that wrote that book, and now it's currently published under the title Spiritual uh, Spiritual Warfare, I think. And I was exposed to that book. It's kind of laid out a whole different approach to spiritual warfare, and that revo- ended up revolutionizing my understanding of spiritual warfare, and I abandoned all of the practices that I critique in Truth or Territory, like praying hedge of thorns and binding Satan, rebuking Satan, casting out demons, pleading the blood of Jesus, all of these things that are typically... um Typically done in evangelical circles and and uh, are associated with um, fighting demons and, and claiming territory, etc. A spiritual war, spiritual mapping is another practice too. The, the idea that we need to identify spirits over individual territories and pray against mm-hmm. them before we can come in with the gospel. A lot of that stuff is in charismatic circles and new apostolic reformation circles mm-hmm. and, and word of faith circles. But it also has made its way into the, the warp and woof of evangelicalism, even conservative circles. It's not uncommon to be sitting in a Baptist church and to hear somebody talk about praying a heads of thorns or rebuking the devil or binding him. So mm-hmm. it's become almost perniciously spread throughout all of evangelicalism now. So I was exposed to that. And I ended up, eventually kind of abandoning that theology um, and coming to a biblical understanding of those doctrines. And then when I started pastoring the church, a number of people started asking me questions. What about binding Satan? What about rebuking him? What about all of these different things? And So I thought, well, I'll, I'll write a series of newsletter articles for our newsletter. And, and those, I wrote 16 articles on that subject kind of dealing with those issues. Those articles became the book, Truth of Territory, mm. and I expanded it and wanted to make it available to other people. And it's been very well received, and I'm grateful for that. So the, in the book, I basically lay out kind of a, in the beginning a, a, some theological foundations on the sufficiency of Scripture and the necessity for sufficiency of Scripture. And and then I, in the middle section of the book, I deal with um, all of these practices that I've discussed. Is is binding Satan biblical? Is mm-hmm. praying a hedge of thorns biblical? Is identifying evil spirits and praying praying them down before we can come in with the gospel? Is that a Is that a biblical concept or or an unbiblical concept? I deal with rebuking Satan, spiritual mapping, and and generational curses, too, the the hexes, the idea that -hmm. that you can sin and that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will be punished for that sin or be plagued by that sin if you refuse or if you um, don't renounce it and plead the blood of Jesus over it and put it under the cross by some verbal incantation. And then in the third part of the book, we deal with some specific questions. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Is Christ's authority ours? You know, there are people who teach that um, that because Christ is, is seated in the heavenlies and we're seated with Him, all the authority that Christ has, we have. That's that's typical New Apostolic Reformation Word of Faith mm-hmm. uh, theology. And then, what about exorcisms? Are exorcisms biblical? And then, I examined the the connection between spiritual warfare and sanctification. And then in the very last part of the book, we deal with the Ephesians chapter six and what that teaches biblically and what it means to put on the armor of God. So that's kind of an overview, truth or territory. And, and the title comes from the two views of spiritual warfare. Either spiritual warfare is a battle for territory. We are, we are claiming back physical territory, physical things, uh, temporal things from Satan, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, arenas or, or land or territory houses or rooms or children or people or cars or whatever it is. We're claiming these things back by, by fighting demons away from them or biblical spiritual warfare is a battle for truth. And that's what I argue that we're not fighting a battle for territory. We're not trying to claim things from demons. We are fighting a battle for the truth and that what you and I are doing right now is spiritual warfare, preaching the word of spiritual warfare, answering mm-hmm. uh, objections and arguments raised up against the knowledge of God. That's true. Biblical spiritual warfare, that it is a battle for truth. It's a battle of the mind. Um, we're fighting ideologies that Satan is a defeated foe. He is not the Christian's main enemy. The flesh is, and that we need to be mindful of that and stand in the victory that we have and simply proclaim the truth that that is what it means to engage in spiritual warfare. So that's that's sort of the overview
1: of it. Nice. I love it, man. I love it cuz I'm telling you, you know, just just the the background I've had, man, um, you know, that that is so refreshing. I'm definitely going to get that book and I I advise my my listeners to as well, um, because like I said, just the charismatic you, you just Everything you said, you know, she gave a biblical response to, you know, I, I've either said or witnessed. And it's funny cause I, I always make the joke now, you know, we binding Satan, man. Who, who's turning them loose every week? Like why? <laughs> why, why we, That's right. why we got to keep binding them every week, you know? Right. Somebody, somebody ain't playing on our team, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> and then like, like I mentioned to you before, you know, uh, as, as, as we leave our house, uh, going on vacation, you know, it's just almost natural to say, you know, put a hedge of protection around our house, you know, uh, just without, without biblical basis, man. So I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, just you, you know, guy using you to, to put that together. Um, so what has been, uh, some of the feedback, uh, from the book, uh, so far? Uh,
0: you know, I haven't received a lot of negative feedback, which I kind of expected that I would. <laughs> um, but I, I haven't. It's, it's been very positive. I get emails and, texts and messages from people on Facebook that say, man, thank you so much. This That's this awesome. liberated me. The, the best messages, the best feedback I get is from people who say, I lived under fear and superstition mm. and these unbiblical ideas, and I was in bondage to them thinking that this is what I should be doing. And mm-hmm. now I've come to understand the sovereignty of God, and I've been liberated from this. Thank you so much. That, that warms my heart. I, I can't tell you how much that warms my heart just to know that people have been delivered from this. And, mm. and I've received... Dozens and dozens of messages by from people like that um who've been gracious enough to reach out and share that they've been helped by it and and delivered from uh, false worldviews uh by the book and so i'm I'm very grateful for that the the book has done well and and I'm thankful that the Lord is using it um but i i I was hoping i, I know that well there's one guy in in the book that I critique um uh, what is his name um, I'm trying to remember his name right up uh mark Bubeck mark Bubeck mm-hmm. is his name. And there's one guy who bought my book who is who knows Mark Bubick and had done ministry with Mark Bubick and he sent him a copy of my book. Um and sent one, I think, to Neil T. Anderson as well. And I'm I'm shocked at that. And but I would have expected or thought maybe that I might get an email or something (laughs) from somebody criticizing me or calling me out on it, but I haven't so far. And I don't Um, know if that's just because it's not not uh, not being read by the people who I critique or right. I'm sure that's the, I'm sure that's the case, but I, I even expected that I might have charismatics or people that'd be given the book that would, would hate it and reject it and sure. send me an email. Cause my email address is in the back of the book and uh, gotcha. I encourage people to send me emails, but I haven't received, I'm, I don't know if I've received any that are
1: that yeah. are critical.
0: So that's and awesome. that's good. My next oh, yeah. book, my next book, that might generate a little bit more controversy. I'm, I'm going to be dealing with, I'm going to be dealing with the subject of whether God speaks to us in the still small voices and gives us private, mm. personal revelations to direct our steps and and guide us, and and whether you know the whole Beth Moore approach to hearing the voice of God and Henry Blackaby and and uh, even Charles Stanley and others who believe that God whispers in our ears these different mm. thoughts that, that that's divine revelation. I got a, I'm coming out with a book to critique that and and deal with that issue, and that might generate more hate mail, and
1: I'd be happy yeah. if it did. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait for that one. Put me on that list <laughs> when that pre-order list. Or so, I, I definitely want that one. Um, Thank man, you. that's, that's going to be awesome. So, it, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm in my, my little makeshift studio and, um, you know, we brought all, all of the books in here and I'm looking up at the shelf, uh, and I'm seeing, uh, uh, we don't read these anymore. Just, we've been delivered. We just, you know, some people would give them away. I don't even want to give them away. Like I would much rather burn them. But so I'm looking at, uh, spiritual warfare, bondage breakers, pigs in the parlor. Uh, I have all those books too. Yeah. So I'm just looking like, man, you know, just, just, you know, I'm just thankful to God, man, to, to like you said free us from the superstition and things like that. So that's exciting. I can't wait to get I'm I'm definitely gonna get your book and uh and 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 uh, look, I'm a, I'm gonna do something spooky. I'm gonna sit in front of all the other ones. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. My listeners probably like, oh you tripping no no just kidding. But no um so man, it's so good talking to you. Right here we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. What's up folks? I'm sitting here drinking my coffee from my friend, Steven Murguri, who is originally from Kenya and now owns a coffee import company working directly with farmers from Kenya. Most of you know Kenya is widely known for some of the best coffee in the world. Here is your opportunity to enjoy the same very smooth and sweet cup of coffee as I am enjoying. You head on over to Kenya coffee and order some for yourself and sit down with me in the next podcast and enjoy a cup of Kenyan coffee. Again, go to Kenya coffee to order today. All right, we're back in here with my good friend, Pastor Jim, uh, having a good time and uh, appreciate him taking time out of his busy schedule to come on the show. Super excited about that. Talking about the church and the book. And what we like to do on this side, Pastor Jim, is we do what I call the bar signature questions. These are three questions I ask all of my guests uh, across the board. They're kind of fun questions. It's the lighter side. Um, and the first signature bar question is, what kind of music do you listen to? Hmm. My, my musical tastes
0: are quite, uh, eclectic. It's, it's quite blended. Um, It'd be easier to list the type of music that I don't listen to. I don't enjoy country. <laughs> okay, there's like five. Let's do that. There's like five country songs uh, in in the, all of the world that I enjoy. Um, <laughs> classical music, I do enjoy a little classical music while I'm studying. But my Pandora station is about as 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 widely as widely salted with every possible conceivable genre as you can imagine. No, I. I don't like heavy metal either. So I, it, those, those are the two I can, I can gotcha. deal with a little bit of rap, a little bit of hip hop, uh, mm-hmm. Christian mostly. I don't like, uh, like, Oh yeah, for sure. I don't like uh, non-Christian songs in those genres or even Christian heavy metal. I don't, I don't like that striper, you know, those guys from back in the day, I, I don't mm-hmm. listen to any of that, but I enjoy, um, I listen to a lot of eighties music, a lot mm-hmm. of Christian music. Um, I get frustrated with Christian music quickly because I, I, I get irritated with the bad theology and the Jesus mm-hmm. is my boyfriend genre of music. <laughs> right. I don't like, I don't like singing about how Jesus is my lover and draw me close and hold me close and all that stuff. And if I can't, if I can't distinguish whether or not I can sing the song to my wife or my God, I have a problem with it. So I get frustrated listening to a lot of modern contemporary Christian music. I love sovereign grace. Uh, mm-hmm. I love stuff by the Gettys. Um, but I, I'm, I grew up in the eighties and so, I enjoy a little bit of 80s music now and again, kind of the nostalgia there. Yeah. And, and I enjoy some stuff from the 90s as well, all the way up into contemporary. There's some contemporary artists that, uh, are in the secular field that as, as long as it's not raunchy and dishonoring sure. to God, I, I don't mind listening to it. I, I enjoy it. So nice. Um, my, my Pandora station will rotate in some, some Tim Hawkins, some, um, you know, out Weird Al Yankovic 80s music, 90s music <laughs> and everything all the way up to the present as well as a little classical now and again. Nice. So it's all of it. I love it.
1: Good deal. Yeah. Weird Al was a genius. No matter how crazy people thought it was, that dude <laughs> musically was a genius for sure. He, he was. Yeah.
0: That's a unique, that is a unique talent, the ability to do oh, what he
1: did. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Much respect. All right. Next signature bar question is what book or books are you currently reading?
0: Currently, I am reading a book called uh, From Heaven He Came and Sought Her. And Mm. it is a biblical defense and study of particular redemption. And I forget, I don't have it right in front of me. I forget who edited it, but it is, it's got contributions by, um, I think Sinclair Ferguson and Carl Truman and Michael Horton, I think was involved in the production of it. Uh, John Piper. Um, I think it's a big thick book and it just deals with sort of the historical development of that doctrine. Mm -hmm. It's, it really it's development within the reformation period of time itself but it does also deal with sort of early church uh, allusions to the doctrine of particular redemption and traces it back to you know Augustine and and uh, other early church fathers and then it deals with uh, some of the biblical texts that are used to describe uh, limited atonement and deal with them atonement, answers objections to it and kind of lays out uh, the theological case for particular redemption that's been a very good book i'm about halfway through that um, let me see. I'm also reading a book, um, The Race Set Before Us, because I'm studying in the book of Hebrews. Um, on my short list of books to to read, I, I, I don't have a lot that I'm reading currently, because I just got done reading for like two years, nothing but garbage. And by that, I mean, I was preparing for this um, book I'm writing on hearing the voice of God. Uh, so I gotcha. read, I had to read through a stack of books that would just make any theologically grounded person want to vomit. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I read Hearing God by Dallas Willard, The Voice of God by Cindy Jacobs. He Speaks to Me by Priscilla Schreier, Experiencing God, Henry Blackaby, God Still Speaks by John Eckhart, um, Surprised by the Spirit, and Surprised by the Voice of God by J- by Jack Deere, uh, Whisper by Mark Batterson, a book by Charles Stanley, one by Joyce Meyer, another one by Phyllis, Phyllis, uh, uh, Priscilla Schreier, and then one by Bill Heibel's called The Power of a Whisper." So I had to slug through those books for two years. Um, and now I'm just taking this one thick, good, theologically sound book from Heaven He Came and Sought Her. And I'm just slowly working through that to kind of floss my brain from all of the horrible stuff I had to read to <laughs> prepare to write my book. Wow. So I've got on my short list. list one of the next books I'm going to read is um, probably The Atonement by A.W. Peak Pink. And then I've got the, Ian Murray's biography on John MacArthur that I'm going to be reading. And, um, um, that I think is probably describes most of where, what my reading is at right now.
1: Wow. All right. That was a pretty good list. Uh, I hate you had to go through all of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I do it. I do it for you, man. I'm suffering for you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I read those so you don't have to. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Too too bad. I probably read a bunch of them already. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, unfortunately, good deal. All right. So the last signature bar question is: What podcast or sermon do you listen to, if any? Oh, I listen to about
0: thirty different podcasts, and I listen to them at two x and some of them at three x. Wow. Um, I enjoy my my podcast selection is about as eclectic as my my musical tastes. I have a couple of conservative political podcasts that I listen to. I like listening to Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. uh, Dan Bongino, Matt Walsh, um, Steve Dace, Thomas Woods, who's a libertarian. Uh, I listen to those podcasts, that kind of political. Not, not. I don't agree with all those guys about everything. Obviously, you know Ben Shapiro is a, a Jew and he gets spiritual things wrong. But sure. I appreciate having some perspective from people that are outside of my own thought bubble. I listened to a couple of podcasts from STR stand to reason with Greg Kokel. He's very good. I listened to Andrew Rappaport's podcast. Um, let me see the Christian worldview oh, with David Wheaton.
1: I, I'm sorry to cut you off. So you just earned yourself a free Andrew Rappaport book. Uh I don't know if you already have it, but I'm going to tell him about it. He said, if anybody lists him as a podcast or, uh, he would send a free book. So congratulations. Oh,
0: well, I, I have both of his books. He came out and spoke for us at a conference. And Oh, well, I never mind. Both of his books. Yeah. I haven't read either one of them yet. So if you send me another one, I just have to read it twice and I don't want to do
1: that.
0: <laughs> so all right. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Christian worldview with David Wheaton, uh, James White and the dividing line. I listen to that and the expositor podcast with Steve Lawson. Uh, I have a, a podcast on investing that I listen to and, um, the World and Everything in It from World Magazine, Wretched Radio, Freakonomics. I listened to John MacArthur's podcast, and Phil Johnson's The Grace Life Pulpit is is fantastic. I listened to that as well. And uh, then The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe, which is kind of a little entertaining podcast. So that's a, kind of an overview of a few of them, a pretty eclectic blend, and uh, I listened to quite a few, and I, I very seldom skip an episode of any of those.
1: Wow. That is pretty good. That's but probably the strongest you'll... podcast list I've had from a guest.
0: Oh, I love podcasts. I learn so much from them. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time working in my garden and my yard and, and driving back and forth to different places. A lot of what I have to do as a pastor is, is, uh, just repetitive mindless stuff. You know, like I'm, uh, I'm working on arranging documents or files or I'm working on administrative things. I can kind of have one of those going on in the background. And and like I say, I listen to almost everything at at least 2x, most, uh, most stuff at three, three speed. So I can blast through a one hour sermon from John MacArthur in 20 minutes. that helps me get through a
1: lot. Wow. Awesome. 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 Good deal, Jim. Hey, this is, this has been fun, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, as we get ready to wrap it up, I always like to give my guests an opportunity to speak to the listeners. Um, and just, you know, any words of encouragement, um, you know, let them know where to find the book and maybe, I don't know if there's a projected date to the next book, but I'm gonna give you the floor to kind of close us out here.
0: Oh, thanks, Dwayne. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a great time. It's been good getting to know you and, and to chat with you. Um, Truth or Territory, in fact, all three of my books are available on Amazon.com, either in Kindle or in print. And Truth or Territory is the first book I wrote, and then I wrote a second book called Selling the Stairway to Heaven, which is a critique of all of the heaven tourists. Uh, Don Piper, who says mm-hmm. you spent 90 minutes there, Kevin Burpo, and another man called even Alexander, who doesn 't claim to be a Christian, in fact, he openly says he 's not a Christian, he had a near death experience as well and claims that he went to the afterlife and So I compare and contrast their various stories and accounts and show how they 're self contradictory they contradict themselves, they also contradict each other, and then they contradict scripture and that 's most importantly and, and Then I try and demonstrate why believing and, and relying on such accounts is is superfluous unnecessary in light of the doctrine and the sufficiency of scripture. And then I wrote a book that I, this is actually a fun book and an enjoyable book, and it's called The Prosperity of the Wicked. It's a study of Psalm 73, where Asaph wrestles with the question of why do the wicked prosper? And, and going through mm-hmm. Psalm 73 helps us kind of see what it is that, uh, what it is God is doing when he gives wealth to unbelievers, because he certainly has allowed Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and, and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs to pile up a, a heaping helping of this world's goods. And uh, so there's something about that that tells us what God's purpose is in that in psalm 73 we see what god's purpose is in that and uh i think there's an old jewish proverb that says if you want to know what god thinks of money just look at the people to whom he gives it Mm, and so i think that's a good uh i think that's a good way of kind of looking at this earth's goods and and um it helps us to see that the prosperity of the righteous is the is being near to our god the prosperity of the wicked is the wealth that they get and and Psalm 73 answers that question of why is it that the wicked do prosper? What is God doing through that? He is working out something. He's accomplishing something and having that eternal biblical mindset of wealth is, is a great answer to, uh, covetousness and, and always wrestling with why is it that Christians aren't wealthy? Why is it that Christians don't have this world's goods like, like unbelievers do? Mm. So that's uh, called The Prosperity of the Wicked. And then the new book is going to be called God Doesn't Whisper. And I'm hoping it's going to be available. Uh, I was hoping by the end of this year, but it looks like it might be early spring. Gotcha. Because uh, I'm still working on on getting that written. So that, those books, all my books can be uh, found at uh, on Amazon.com in both Kindle and in print. And we're hoping at some point to have them available in uh, iBooks and iTunes as well.
1: Awesome. Good deal, man. Man, so <laughs> I had to make this joke. It came up soon as, soon as you said it, uh, talking about the, the, the wealth of the wicked. Yeah. Um, so in the end of the book, right? You know, you said that it all is going to get, you know, distributed down to the righteous, right? That's how you ended it, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. No, no, that would be a new apostolic reformation. Mentality.
1: I know. Yes. I know. Yeah, that's why I brought that up. Yeah, that's yeah. the first thing. I yeah, this we're waiting on the, the the wealth of the wicked. It's gonna yeah. get distributed down to the okay. Psalm.
0: Psalm seventy three is like one of my favorite psalms. It is so. It is so poetic. It is so the, the mm-hmm. way it's constructed, the way the author builds the case. It is it is such a fantastic psalm, and I preached two sermons on that, available at our website um, at Kootenychurch.org. That's K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I Church.org. I preached two sermons on that several years ago, and when I got done, I just thought, oh, this this was worth ten sermons. And mm. um, then after a while, I thought this is really worth a book because I this I love this psalm mm-hmm. and just the meditation reflection on Asaph's struggle and what the answer to that is. That dilemma and we all wrestle with it in some form or another. Job did, Jeremiah sure. did. The righteous always say that, you know, why is it that the, the wicked are at ease? You know, they live and they live at ease and they die at ease, and they just there's no troubling of their conscience, and they have all this world's goods, and yet the righteous seem to suffer and are afflicted and tormented day after day. And why do we have to endure this if God's favor rests upon us? And there is a biblical answer to that, and um, it's in Psalm seventy three.
1: Awesome. Good deal, man. Well, listen, I really really appreciate you coming on the show. Definitely enjoyed it. I know my listeners did as well. Um and and you know, good guests like this, I, I bring them back, you know. So when that next book come out, you go ahead and pencil me in to uh <laughs> to to come back on and we're going to talk about it and uh maybe do a giveaway or something. I'm just I, I'm excited about it and uh and, and really enjoy this conversation. To the bar listeners, make sure you guys check out the bar podcast and everything in the Bar Podcast Network. On Monday, we got Pastor's Discussion, Tuesday, the Bar Podcast, Wednesday, Just Thinking, Thursday, Mario Esco Live, Friday, Bar's Biblical Reform Spitters, my man T Barlow. Every other Saturday we got Truth and Fire Podcast. And make sure you check out this month's sponsor, Mount Kenya Coffee. Uh, check it out. My man, Stephen, uh, is sponsoring this month, uh, Mount Kenya Coffee. Make sure you go to the link in the bio. Also, there will be a link in the bio for everything uh, Pastor Jim talked about, whether it's the book or the sermons or the church website. Everything will be also in the uh, the description of the, uh, the podcast. So make sure you not only listen, but also click on details and click some of these links. That's what this podcast is about, provi- providing resources for you guys we love you guys there's nothing you can do about it so God bless you and we'll see you next week Just use it!